Well, good morning, church family. How are y'all doing? For those of y'all who don't know me, I'm Barry. I'm the youth pastor here, and y'all get to hear me for the next couple minutes, and then uh, we'll get it done. I told Brother David as I was walking up, I said, I hope y'all enjoyed that, because that's the best it's going to get today. I love the band. I love Brian and, uh, and the whole worship team up here. They are awesome. So um, as we get started, um, we're going to be talking about encounter, encounters with God out of Genesis chapter 28 this morning. And uh, when we get there, just turn there. We'll get there in a minute. It's really funny, right, because encounters, right, we have encounters every day. We have encounters all the time, and that's what makes up our life, right? Those encounters uh, make up who we are. And it was funny because a couple weeks ago, uh, I'm a very, for those of you who don't know me, I think I'm a very simple guy, like black coffee in the morning, bowl of cereal, that, that's just me. Like I don't put much in my coffee. If my throat hurts, I'll put a little bit of honey in there. And that, that's about the extent that you're going to see in my coffee. And uh, the other morning, Josh, our, our college pastor, I'm sorry, our next gen pastor, uh, he, uh, he introduced me to pumpkin spice. Not in my coffee. Coffee's still black. But uh, he introduced me to pumpkin spice. I had a vanilla protein shake. And uh, he was like, man, he was talking about pumpkin spice. I'd never really tried it before. So I put a couple pumps in my, in my protein shake, and I blended it. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> it was awesome. But I got scared because I'm thinking I'm going to have to start wearing skinny jeans to get a man bun. It's just not like I'm, I, was, I was nervous for a second, right? But no, uh, so, so these encounters, like, they, they change us. They make us who we are. And it was, so, it was our privilege. After the, over the last couple of weeks, Brother David had some vacation time, so uh, the staff has been preaching. A couple weeks ago, if you were here, you, you got to hear Joe, and Joe talked about how our situations and our circumstances change, but God never does, right? And if you were here last week, Brian talked about resting in our anxiety. Like, like we all have anxiety. We all have these things we're nervous about, especially nowadays, and, and that, that we can rest in God in those anxieties. And today I want to look at our encounters with God and the promises we see through those encounters and those things we can rest on because he's faithful to fulfill them. So, as we get started, we're going to be doing these encounters through, through the life of, of this guy named Jacob, right? There's Abraham, there's Isaac, and then there's Jacob, and then the 12 tribes of Israel all came from Jacob. And when, when you see the story of Jacob, you pick it up in verse uh, Genesis chapter 25, starting in verse 23, you see God speaking into Jacob's life before he was even born, Right? In Genesis chapter 25, 23, it says this, The Lord said to her, this is his mother, Rebekah. He says, Two nations are in your womb, and two people from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. And you look at this, and you, you see that God speaking into Jacob's life before he was born set the trajectory for Jacob's life. And we can almost rest in that effect because in Ephesians, we see that God speaks into our lives before we were ever born. In Ephesians 1, chapter 4, we see, for he chose us in him before the creations of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. 
In love, he predestines us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and goodwill. So we see, just like Jacob, that everyone has God speaking into their lives before we were even born. And then when we pick up the story of Jacob, with, with the background knowledge that Rebecca has heard God's voice and said there will be two, you're, you're going to give birth to twins and, and you're going to have two nations and they will be separated and the younger will, the older will serve the younger. And she rests in that. And you see from the jump a dysfunctional family. If you, if you study the life of Jacob and his family, it is a dysfunctional family. You have his older brother Esau. The Bible describes him as red, having red hair and hairy. He, he's, he's his son, he, he's his father's son, right? He, his father loves him. They, they, he, he hunts. He's a, he's, his da, he's a daddy's boy, right? He's a hunter. He, he's outside. He's hairy. He smells funny, right? And then you have Jacob. And Jacob's almost like a little mama's boy, right? He, he, he's, he's in the kitchen. He, he's not an outdoorsman. He, he cooks and he does these things. And it's such a diverse and divided family that when you come, when you come to Genesis chapter 27 and, and Isaac is about to die. Isaac's on his deathbed and he's blind and he's laid up and he's wanting to pass on the blessing which was given to him through his father Abraham by God that you will be a blessing to the nation. He's wanting to pass it on to his oldest son. He calls in Esau and Esau comes in and he, he tells Esau, he goes, go and hunt. Get me some wild game. Cook that meal that I really like. And then when you bring it in, I will eat it and I will bless you. And Esau just runs off and he goes to do what his father tells him. And Rebekah, his mother, overhears it. And at this point, right, Rebekah steps in. Because Rebekah knows the promise that God made to her that the, 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 young, the older will serve the younger. And God's look like he ain't going to step in and God's not going to fulfill his promises. So we've got to step in and do what God can't do. So Rebecca steps in. And I love this part of the story, right? So she calls her son Jacob to her and she goes, hey, Jacob, go kill a young lamb. Go slaughter a young lamb. And bring it to me. And, and I'm going to cook it and you can get the blessing. And he goes, and Jacob goes, you know, hey, dad's going to know it's not me. Like, 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 I am nothing like Esau. I'm not hairy. So, so, so what, what Rebecca does is she takes and she slaughters the goat and she, she takes the skin and she puts it on Jacob. I mean, how hairy are you that you're going to wear goat skin, right? Like, this dude was like wolf man. And so he's sitting there. And, he, and she goes and she grabs clothes out of Esau's closet and she makes Jacob put it on and she puts the fur on and she cooks this meal. And Isaac kind of knows, right? Isaac walks in, he goes, it's the voice of Jacob, but he smells like Esau and he feels like Esau. And, and you almost want to say, like, because you almost want to say, like, he's like, well, I'm old and I guess just my hearing's going now because I'm blind. And he eats and he blesses 
Jacob. And you finish chapter 27 of Genesis, and we get this portion here, Esau. So Esau comes in, and he, he has the food, and he says, hey, Dad, I, I'm back. And Isaac says, what do you mean you're back? I've given away your blessing. And he's like, no, 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 it's Esau, it's your oldest son. You, you're going to bless me, right? And Isaac looks at him and says, your son tricked me, in, your brother tricked me, and the blessing is irreversible. And you get this picture of Jacob and Esau just weeping. And I'm sorry, you get this picture of Isaac and Esau weeping over the, the deception of Jacob. And in verse 41, it says, Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. And he said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. So when we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 28 of Jacob, you're looking at a blessed fugitive. He is on the run. He is headed for his life. He is running from everything he, he knows because his mom overheard Esau make this threat. And she didn't want to lose her son. So she says, go live at my brother's house until your, son, until your brother's Anger has decided, and I'll call you back. So Jacob's leaving everything he knows. He's running in the wilderness. He's running from his family. He's running from his father. He's running from his life. And at some point, he's running from God. And we all know when we're running that hard, most of the time we run smack into God. How many of you can, can honestly say that in the good times, when everything is great, it's hard to see God. But when everything's going wrong and everything's bad and we're facing a pandemic and all of a sudden God is present. God is in that place. So when we pick it up in Genesis chapter 28 starting in verse 10, Jacob left Bathsheba and set out for Harnan. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he laid down to sleep. He's in this nowhere place. He's in this place that's not even named. It's just somewheres along the route in the middle of Texas, if you've ever drove between here and Fort Stockton, there's some nowhere places, right? Like, it's that nowhere place. There's nobody around. There's nothing there. And he encountered God in that nowhere place. Verse 12, I love how God breaks in into this nowhere place when Jacob is no more. He, he, his guard is down. He, he, he's sleeping. He had laid down on a rock. And God breaks into his dreams. And in verse 12 it says, He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth with his top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your fathers, Abraham, and the, God of your fa and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are laying. 
Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will be spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and, and to the south. All the people on earth will be blessed through you and your offsprings. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you. you, you He's in that nowhere place. He has these dreams, and it's this dream of a giant stair, of a giant ladder that, that the angels are ascending and descending, and that's so important because they're not coming down first. They're already here, and they're going back up, and they're coming back down. And at the top of it stood the Lord, and he gives this promise, this promise to Jacob that was given to his grandfather Abraham and his, grandfather, and his father Isaac. I will bless you, I will be with you, and your descendants will be a blessing to the earth. And you almost want to look at it and <laughs> Jacob be like, yeah, but you're my grandpa's God. You're my dad's God. I kind of wanted my own God, right? But like, 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 we do that, right? Like, like I don't want my, my parents' God. I want my God. I, I want a cool, I want a hip God, right? I, I want a God that understands me. And he gives him this promise in verse 15 that's only for Jacob that wasn't part of the other promises that God had made to him. And he says, I will be with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. He's given him a specific place, this nowhere place where God encounters Jacob. I will bring you back. It's kind of funny, right? Because if you're in that nowhere place and you're kind of looking around, it's like, can I have one with a waterfall? Like maybe some better trees? Like maybe some better grazing grass? How about a big house, right? Like, like we don't want those promises. We want what we want. And it's so funny because... Notice in verse 20 how Jacob responds to God's mercy and his grace. God has just promised him that he will be with him, he will keep him, and he'll bring him back. And Jacob goes, then Jacob made a vow. I'm sorry, I, I skipped a part. Go back to verse 16. I skipped over a whole section here. So, so he made this promise, right, that God made this promise to him. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, verse 16, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. And he was afraid. And he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took a stone that he had placed under his head, and he set it up as a pillar, and he poured oil on top of it. And he called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. I want you to see that. Like, Jacob took the stone, and he set up a pillar. If you go back through Genesis, Abraham and Isaac, they're always building these altars. It was this commitment. It was, it was this sign that I was all in. It took effort. It took time. And they built these giant offers, altars. Jacob's like, I'm going to set up a pillar. I'm going to throw it. I'm going I'm to set up a couple little pillars here. It, it was this 
Now, he would come back later, and he would build an altar there. But it was this sign that he wasn't all in. It, it was a marker that, hey, I encountered God here, but he's not my God. He's my father's God. He's my grandfather's God. He'll be my God, right? If, in verse 20, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey that I am taking, I will give uh, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house then the Lord will be my God, right? He comes with his conditions. God offers grace and mercy. And in Jacob's youthfulness, he looks at him and goes, only if you meet my conditions. Only if you get me through this journey. I need clothes. I need food. I need safety. I need to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Then you will be my God. Besides that, nah, I'm good. We do that, right? How many of us do that? God, it, it, if you get me through this. God, if, if my kids are healthy. If my marriage is good. Fill in the blank. We have our conditions. And God in his mercy I mean, think about this for a second. God in his mercy is giving Jacob a chance. And we're looking at Jacob, and he just stole from his brother Esau. And we're like, we don't like you, Jacob. He's kind of that dude, right? Like, no. Like, what about Esau? Esau's the oldest son. All he did was go hunting. Mom stepped in. And Paul in Romans says, God has mercy on who he has mercy on. And sometimes we want justice, right? We look at the story of Esau and we look at the story of Jacob and we want, we want justice for Esau. No, we don't. Because be honest, if God gave us what we deserved, we wouldn't be sitting right here right now. If God spoke into our life and looked at us and with all the grace and all the mercy that he has poured into our lives, we're a whole lot worse than Jacob. Yeah, that's great. But how does Jacob's story, his running, his, all the things that he's done, How does that interact in our lives? How does that fold into our story? And we look at John chapter 1, verse 47. And he says, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him. So Jesus is, Jesus is on the scene. He's calling his disciples. And, and when he saw Nathanael approaching him, he said to him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me, Nathaniel asked. Jesus, Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then, then Nathaniel declared, 
Rabbi. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You shall see greater things than that, he then added. I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And it's this picture that the story of Jacob in Genesis chapter 28 reflects all the way to Jesus. And Jesus is that nowhere place. Jesus is that place where God encounters earth, come live in the neighborhood, and says, I am the way. I am the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus busts on the scene, and he looks at him, and he repeats it. You will see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Right now, if you're being honest, and if you've lived the last nine months here, you almost feel like you're in that nowhere place, right? Everything is turned upside down. Nothing is normal. And, and, and there's depression, and there's all these things happening. And how many of us have met Jesus in the nowhere place? How many of us have sat down, and with all the chaos and all the struggle and all the hurting, have encountered Christ in a way like never before? As Jesus meets you in this nowhere place, you can rest assured that in Matthew, they call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. As, as God promised Jacob that he would be with him, Jesus is with us. John chapter 10, verse 27, it says, My sheep listen to my voice. And I know them, and they know me. I give them eternal life, and they, sure, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch you out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. He looks at you, and he says, I will keep you. I got you. I will be with you, and I will keep you. Then again in John 14, he says, In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you so. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me also. Maybe where I am. He looks at you and he says, I will accomplish what I have started in you before the foundations of the world, and when I am done, I will take you home. We can rest in the fact that he is with you, he will keep you, and he will accomplish and take you home. There's so many uncertainties. There's so many things that we struggle with and we walk through these days, and we need to rest on the promises that he, give, he gave to Jacob, he followed through with Jacob, and he will follow through with you. That he will keep you. He will be with you. And he will accomplish what he has started in you. The issue now is, we know how Christ responds 
How do we respond? How do we, as believers, respond to this? Better yet, how, if you've never encountered Christ, how do you respond? What step of faith do you have to take? Are you going to set up a pillar and make that marker and say, yeah, I encountered something there. And that encounter changed my trajectory, changed my life a little bit. Are we going to set up an altar and stake our flag and claim the promises that he's given us? What step of faith is it for you to take? As the worship team comes up, it is, it is our time to respond. It is our time in love. Because he loved us first. There'll be ministers at the front. If you need someone to pray with, if you need someone to talk to, if, if you're in that nowhere place, make this the day. Make this the time that you encounter Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for being faithful to show up in the nowhere place. And Father, we all, from time to time, hit those places. Father, break into our lives. Give us eyes to see and soft hearts to know that you're there. Father, you are our foundation. You have us. You love us. And you will bring us home. Help us to rest in that. In Jesus' name we pray.